Hey, welcome to Hoops Coaching A to Z with me. Whoa, whoa, hang on. Let's let a professional handle this. <laughs> this is Hoops Coaching A to Z with my husband, Coach Terry Canova. This is a deep dive into all things coaching. Come join us as we visit with some of the best coaching minds in the business to help grow our profession. Here you go, honey. Back to you. All right, welcome to this week's episode. Uh, we've got a great guest this week. Uh, this person is a former basketball player, former coach, uh, an author, motivational speaker, and a current health coach. And I wanted to save a lot of this for on, on the recording. Uh, someone I met many, many years ago in the coaching profession, but I don't remember exactly where. And so we're going we're gonna to get all of these mysteries solved here in the next 30 minutes or so. Please welcome my guest, uh, Miss Jody Grevy. What's up, Jody? Hey, thank you so much, Terry, for having me. Looking forward to this. And 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 I still call you. I can still call you Coach, right? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. Well, so so Jody, you, you know, I don't remember exactly when I crossed where I passed cross. Obviously, it was when I was a college coach, uh, but. My life has been crazy, as we'll find out. Yours has been much crazier, but uh, but but I, but I remember you as being a player at Arkansas, and then getting into the coaching biz. So, if you don't mind, kind of tell us a little bit of your background, and, and it'll help me fill in the blanks for, for myself as well. All right. So, and a lot of people associate me with having actually played at Arkansas. And I was actually a student athletic trainer for the men's team at Arkansas when I was there. That is right. So, um, but I did so much when uh, Gary Blair was the head coach, the women's coach when I was here, Nolan Richardson was the men's. And so because I wanted to get into college coaching, I did end up doing a lot of stuff with the women and that kind of thing. So you're not the only one who, who, uh, <laughs> memory slips on that one. So, but when I decided I wanted to start coaching college, um, coach Anderson, Mike Anderson, who was an assistant at the time, he was like, you need to start working camps. And that's what I did. I basically emailed any college that was in within eight hours of driving distance and was like, Hey, I really want to work camp. Do you need some help? That was basically it. And, um, one of the first schools that emailed me back was Louisiana tech. Boom, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it was. But yeah. it ends up being, I mean, that was the first time, but I think we worked uh, Texas together, maybe LSU, um, but there was just several different times. And then with yeah. coaching, then I went, ended up coaching junior college. And so then people, you know, recruiting my players and that type of thing or whatever. So, but I believe Louisiana Tech was, was the first time that we actually uh, were introduced yeah, 100%. Uh, we just, the last episode we uh, we had was uh, Coach Terry Fowler at the University of South Alabama. And he is one of the rare guests that I've had in the last probably 10 episodes that is not a uh, Lady Texture Lady camper uh, alumni, uh, but he and I both worked Doug Bruno's camps at DePaul. And so, you know, that that camp life, I know we had Brooks Donald Williams on here the other day and we talked about the fact of how many connections we made working that Lady Texture camp. I mean, it is 
it, it is unbelievable. You know, I, I was a, a, a graduate of Louisiana Tech, but just a student. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until after I graduated that I really got involved with, with the camps and, and whatnot. And just, I mean, we could go for days. I mean, the, the late, great uh, Kurt Butke, Coach Barmore, Coach Mokey, Christy Curry, Nell Fortner, um, uh, Gary uh, Blair, <laughs> Gary Blair, um, um, you, you know, and I hate that, you know, this old brain and let me, let me remember more, but I mean, just an amazing amount of coaches came mm-hmm. through there. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. That, that coaching tree is, is crazy. And I end up, um, I still talk to a lot of the people that I worked camp with there. And it's always, um, interesting to see how things are now. And especially with, with Brooke, um, Stower down there played as uh, Brooke Lasseter, but, um, it's been, it's been fun to, to follow along and just continue to see how they've, they've brought that program back up. Yeah. Yeah. There's great, great memories, uh, for sure. So, we 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 solved that mystery. So <laughs> so so like like you said, you went on and uh, and coach you know the, the junior college level and and you know once you're a junior college coach and I was a Division one coach for eight years. Obviously, paths crossed a million million times. Tell us before we get on to some of the, some of these other things. Tell us about some of your your memories or, or or people that were impactful to you as you were this young, energetic new college coach. Yeah. So one of the guys that um, really mentored me and still does to this day um, has been Mike Anderson. Um, Like I said, he was an assistant coach for Coach Richardson when I was in school, currently the head coach at St. John's University. And he was the one that told me because I was I didn't play. I was on the men's side. So how was I going to get into women's college coaching? And he was the one that really got me. Uh, moving in the right direction as far as what I should do, making those connections like you talked about. Um, And it ended up being um, crazy enough that my my camp contacts ended up being how I got two of my jobs. Um, One was at at Tyler Junior College, Trina Tillis, what, oh my God, Horde. I was like, what is her last name now? Horde. Um, she was, she was actually an assistant for coach Blair at Arkansas my first year. And then she left to go to TJC. So that's, you know, just that connection there. And then, um, the first camp that I actually ever worked was at Kansas and Pam DaCosta. I met her and then several years later ended up working for her at, uh, San Jose state out in California. Um, but I think through all of that, through my changing of jobs, changing of divisions and levels, you know, JUCO to mid-major and then back to, to SFA and just trying to navigate all of that. Coach Anderson really had um, the biggest impact. But there, I mean, there was there were several other um, coaches and, and friends and former college I always I still want to call them teammates too even though again I didn't technically play but um like Amy Wright who's over at Oklahoma right now um just always been able to confide in and be honest with um and just help me navigate that whole coaching world yeah yeah you you know these this is episode I don't know 28 29 maybe and and, and the common thread to all of these, you know, 
as I've talked to my friends in, in the business, it's, it's genuine friendships and genuine connections. And I think we had Brian Rosario on here a couple episodes ago, and, I, and I'm sure you know B-Row, and, 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 and we were talking about how it was just a small amount of time that he and I really spent together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was at McNeese. I was at ULM. We got to know each other. And then we would see each other at Final Fours, maybe, or we would see each other at a, at a, at a brief time, crossing paths on a recruiting trail. But it's like those friendships are, are just so deep. And, and it's like once, once you make those genuine contacts, I mean, they, they get contacts for life, whether you talk to them once a week or once a year. It's, it's amazing how cool it is in this profession. Yeah, especially since when you were at camp, a lot of people don't know this these days just because camps have changed so much. But if you worked camp back in the day, you created a bond because that was not the easiest thing to do. I mean, it was long, grueling hours. Coach Barmore did not want you to sit down. He did not want you to come. You had to be on it. And, you know, I know like at... um, at Kansas, camp went from Sunday to Thursday at five, and the other most other camps went uh, Sunday to Thursday at noon. And so that's that's a lot. That's sixteen hour days that you're putting in, having to walk these kids back and forth, sleeping in the dorm room again, something you never thought you'd have to do once you left college. <laughs> but going through working a week of camp with somebody, you can't help but form a different type of bond um, to where you can call that person up if you haven't talked to them in, in forever. Um, you can send them that message or whatnot, but because you know what you went through <laughs> during those hot Louisiana summers. No, no doubt. <laughs> no air conditioning. Right. And, and, and as you, as you say that, it's amazing. And, 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 you know, I don't know, I, I know a lot of people get value from this podcast, but no one gets more value than I do, because it's so cool as I'm talking to friends on here and and Brooks, Brooks, Donald uh, Williams joked the other day. She said, Terry, the only reason you have this podcast so you can talk to your friends for, for 30 minutes. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. But as you say in that, for the first time in, I don't know, 20 years, I had that visual and you'll get it as I say this, walking into the Thomas Assembly Center and the parents are starting to come into the bleachers and we lining all the kids up for, for the end of camp uh, to paint the picture of what we went through at that lady texture camp. Like you said, people today don't have a clue. I mean, we got them up for breakfast and walked them to the cafeteria, which was, who knows, maybe a mile, I don't know, half mile, who knows. Walked them back, got in the gym, as you mentioned, Kim Mulkey and Coach Baltimore wasn't allowing no gum chewing and no sitting down. So we were either standing up coaching our team or we were officiating. And, mm-hmm. we, and we did that and we did stations and we did that for to lunchtime. Then we walked our campers to lunch. We came back, did it all over again, walked them to supper, came back. And then if that wasn't enough, then we met them downstairs in dorm for devotional that night. So, mm-hmm. I mean, those were some serious days. And, and you know, uh, I know for a fact, I pay my camp workers uh, 
that work my little high school camp and work three hours a day for four days. I pay them double what we made back then at the Lady Texture camps. We made pennies. Yes, yes, <laughs> we did. At it today. I mean, for a college student, it was great for me. Like, I didn't care one way or another. The car I had got about 35 miles to the gallon, so it really didn't even matter on gas. But um, to add into all of that, that crazy schedule, I would, for whatever reason, after I ate lunch, I would go run four or five miles. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, I had the energy to do it. So, uh, but think of it, it's like, oh my gosh, in Louisiana, running at one o'clock in the afternoon. Well, one always, is, I never said I did the smartest of things when I was younger, but, um, but yeah, that was, yeah, that heat and walking back and forth, that was, that was a lot of steps. <laughs> it, it, it really was. Uh, but, but, you know, like I said, we joke about, you know, not a whole lot of money, but those are the things that, that, that is probably the reason 30 plus years later, uh, I'm still a women's basketball coach, you know, because the, the ties, the connections, the bonds we made there, you know, will, will go on, go on forever, you know? So, uh, yeah, for sure. Great, great, great memories. So, so now you, uh, coaching profession, you did that one, you know, and you're an author of at least two books, right? Or, or is mm-hmm. it three now? Just two? It's, it's, it's two full books. And my, the actual second one was a co-author book. So I was, uh, one of 18 different authors that contributed to, um, to the book, but two of them I have written completely on my own. Yes. Now the one, the one, that one was the, with the entrepreneurs, uh, the coaches, yes, athletes, athlete to entrepreneur. Yep. Yeah. The, yeah. That's the one I, I got, uh, and, and really enjoyed those. And it's, it's a cool book because you can kind of pick it up, you know, just at any point and read a, a new story mm-hmm. and, and, and go back to it. So I really enjoy that. One of the ones I don't have that I got to get my hands on here soon is your life in the 50 states. Um, if you don't mind, and, and, and you know, one of the things I like doing, I'm, I'm not a researcher, um, mm-hmm. but, but I, do, I do like to dabble. And so mm-hmm. you know, when I knew we were going to have you on this podcast, one of the things I did is, is I tracked down some things and listened to you a little bit on, on another podcast talking about your life in the 50 states. If you don't mind, pick a couple states and tell us a couple stories about, uh, and, and tell us a little bit about your book, My Life in the 50 States. So My Life in the 50 States is a story from every single state because I have been to to all 50 and basketball definitely took me to a lot of them. Um, one of my favorite stories from, from that book is my story in California where um, I actually, well, the Alabama story first um, I was at my at Coach A's oldest daughter, uh, Darshita. I was at her wedding in Birmingham, and we went out the night before. And hole in the wall bar. She stops. I'm like, we're trying to leave. We're walking out, and there's maybe 20 people here. It's not a populated bar. Um, and she all of a sudden isn't there. I was like, whoa, what what happened? I turn around. She's waiting at this isolated bar. Like there's no drinks or anything there. And she was like, I saw somebody. I want to see if I could kind of talk to or whatever. And I was like, okay, who round the corner walks Charles Barkley. Oh, wow. And so, um, she just kind of threw out, you know, Hey, my dad coached at our coaches at Arkansas, blah, blah, blah. Um, or he did at the time. Cause I think he was at UAB at this point. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just starting the, ch- the conversation like that. And, 
you know, he starts talking to me and what you see is what you get with, with Barkley on TV. Yes. That, that is him. Yes. And he's actually toned down a little bit on TV <laughs> versus real life, but um, end up talking and stuff. He finds out that I coach blah, blah, blah. Finds out I'm close to Dallas. He's like, well, if we're ever in Dallas, you know, I'll let you know, come up for a game. I was like, yeah, right. I'll never hear from this man again. Um, and end up, he ends up calling me when I, I thought my friends were playing a joke on me. Sure. Um, and so we, I mean, great guy couldn't make the game that he was talking to talking about or whatever. Fast forward to my story in California. Um, it's the Western conference finals and, you know, TNT will go to the conference finals. Sure. And so they were going uh, down to LA cause LA was in it. And, um, he asked if I could go to this particular game. And I was like, I can't, my boss would let me off work to go. I was like, but I can come down afterwards or whatever. And so he tells me to come on down. I'm like, Oh my God, am I really driving down to Los Angeles? <laughs> like I, like this was before catfish could be a thing and all that. I'm thinking all the worst possible things like, sure. okay, well, best case scenario. I'm having a great weekend away in LA. Right. Like, cool. Um, and then I get a phone call. It's like, Hey, are you meeting us out or what? Um, yes. Where do I need to go before GPS is also before right. like, uh, cell phones with the GPS. And he told me the name of some spot. He said, I'll tell, he's like, just tell them your name and, and they'll know who you are. Okay. And then in my head, I'm like, Oh my God, am I really about to do this? Like, I'm going to look like a fool driving up to this place. And then I drive, I get there. I had to print out the directions on MapQuest, mind you. Been there, done that. I'm following along. And I had a Honda Civic at the time. And um, relatively new. It was like two or three years old. But it's a Honda Civic. And I'm driving through. And all of a sudden, I notice I cross over into Beverly Hills. And I'm just like, oh, this is awkward. This is weird. And I see the place coming up. And I see the line like out the door. All they have is valet parking. And I was like, oh, gosh. I don't want to do this. This is going to be embarrassing. So I pull all the way forward to the end of the valet and I get out and I bypass the line. I'm like, oh my God, I'm one of those people, you know? And I start to ask the bouncer who was massive. And I was like, hey, my name is Jody. He was like, oh, I know who you are. Come on, come with me. And I was like, okay. Leads me upstairs, passes me off to another guy. And I turn the corner and he there, I see him in the corner or whatever. And it, with a group of people, he comes over and he was like, Oh, so glad you made it. So excited. He's like, I want you to meet me, some of my friends. And I'm like, okay, looking down, trying not to trip. Right. Um, and he was like, Hey, everybody, this is Jody. Uh, these are my friends. So-and-so, so-and-so Reggie, so-and-so. And I was like, this wow. is Reggie Miller. I'm shaking Reggie Miller's hand. <laughs> I'm here with Charles Barkley and Reggie Miller. Wow, unbelievable. So it was it was an awesome night. It was fun. Had had a great weekend. After that, ended up driving. The next next morning, I get up and I drive uh, the PCH back to uh, the Pacific Coast Highway back to San Jose. So that was another uh, an awesome part of that trip. But yeah, those two those two states. Uh, it was pretty fun. That, that that's classic. That that is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I had a chance to meet uh, meet uh, Barkley. Uh, I went uh, went over one day. Uh, my friend Mark Godfrey was coaching at Cal State Northridge, and they were playing Auburn. And so we went over there, and uh, after the game, we we go in the locker room at Cal State Northridge, and and Mark got uh, Barkley to come talk to the team afterwards. And so uh, and like you said, he uh, 
He is always <laughs> on. He is always on. And uh, yeah, I guess sitting courtside for that game, I think he had him a few soda pops uh, too. So after I the bet. game, <laughs> he, was, he was in good spirits. He was in good spirits. Well, look, we're going to take a quick break. And what I'd like for you to do, uh, one of the things I know you wanted to share with us was we're going to talk a little bit of mindset. Uh, so we'll take a short break and then we'll be right back in a minute and talk to Miss Coach Jody Greavy on some mindset stuff. Quick, get a picture. Everyone say cheese. No, say Legally Blonde. Hey, everybody, you don't want to miss Legally Blonde. We have uh, about another 10 days worth of shows, which actually would mean, what, two weekends? That's right. If there's any tickets left. So you need to go check. Just go over online to thepackedmobile.com. That's thepacked, P-A-C-T, mobile.com, and look for tickets. If you're a mobile, you've got to see this show. Come on, check us out. Want to get away for the best vacation ever? Consider a group trip, whether a cruise or an all-inclusive resort. Let Toes in the Sand Travel help you get there. There are some amazing perks for group cruisers. Trust us, we do one almost every year, and we help so many of our friends as well. For a trip of a lifetime, give us a call. You can message me on Facebook at Kimberly Tanner Canova, or you can find our Facebook page, Toes in the Sand Travel, but be sure it's the one that has our smiling faces on there. Just reach out, we'll help you. Hey honey, will you get packed? We got a cruise ship waiting on us now. <laughs> Let's go. All right, and we are back. We're back with Coach Jody Greavy. Be sure and reach out to my beautiful bride and let her hook you up on your next trip. Uh, Kim at Toes and Sand Travel. Find us on Facebook. Uh, you know, when you listen to this podcast, we probably are sitting on a uh, a beautiful beach right now anyway, because we tape these things way ahead of time. So you might be listening to this and we might be uh, having a beverage on a cruise ship. Who knows? Uh, but let's talk to Jody some more. Now, Jody is uh, is someone who can talk ab- with us about some mindset. And uh, she authored the book Conquering Kilimanjaro. And, and I know she's going to share some of that with us. But in our group, it's Hoops Coaching A to Z. Mindset is so important. And I think sometimes coaches worry too much about X's and O's and not enough about mindset. So, Jody, let's share some share some good stuff with us, girl. Yeah, so I always believed uh, a little different and I thought I was a real anomaly and, and could never really share a lot in my beliefs about mindset um, when I was coaching just because a lot of people weren't talking about it. Um, but I did know that, like most people believe that you you really have to be in the right frame of mind to be able to go through practice, to be able to go through the games and that kind of stuff. And if you're not prepared, then it's um, then it can be a problem. And there's a there's a quote, a saying that I've always loved, and that is mental is to physical as four is to one. And so that being said, mental is four physical is one. So how is four to one? Well, four is greater than one. So the mental aspect is much greater than the physical aspect. Um, and when I was, when I was telling some people about this, uh, and actually when I was writing my book, 
conquering Kilimanjaro, um, the editor had never heard that term before. And I had heard it a lot. And so I was just, it just made me realize like there's a whole, a whole group of people out there that really need to hear this message as far as, as mindset. And when I was on the mountain, everything that I had been taught, um, growing up as an athlete, as a competitor, as a coach is the only way that you could come in, that you could win is if you came in first. And I struggled with that. Like when it came to the coaching, because you couldn't tell me that a team in the sec that got fourth place, but still went to the NCAA tournament wasn't winning. Right. And you couldn't tell me that a team in the Southland that had won the regular season, but didn't win the conference tournament wasn't winning. That happened to us twice, actually. We won a lot that year, <laughs> or those two years. And so it's, you have to understand, you have, like, yes, we want, at the end of the day, as competitors, you want to be able to win the competition. You want to be able to reach that goal. But that doesn't always mean that you're coming in first. Because for some teams, like I said, like I mentioned with, with the SEC team, their goal can be to make the NCAA tournament. They still won. If they reached the NCAA tournament, they still won. They didn't win a championship. And I think people get that misconstrued too often as far as, as winning and, and not. And I also don't like to say, I, I had a friend of mine, he's a coach here at the University of Arkansas now. He says that he doesn't tell his team that they lose. He said, we might get beat, but we're not going to lose. I like and that. I was like, ooh, I love that. Because it's... I'm sorry. I'm gonna pause you for one second because what you say and it, it makes so much sense. I've I've coached for 31 years, and and I guess so. I guess 20 of those have been as a head coach. Mm-hmm. 400 wins. I've never in 31 years. I've never won my last game of the season. Never in 31 years. So it goes exactly every season that I've coached ends in defeat with me and my group crying because the season is over. Mm-hmm. And so it, that plays into exactly what you're saying right there. So I'm sorry, go ahead. And that's okay. And that's, that's what I had to realize when I was on the mountain. And for those who don't know, Mount Kilimanjaro is the world's tallest freestanding mountain. It's in Tanzania, Africa. Um, it is 19,341 feet tall. Um, and I sort of kind of did this on a whim in a way, not it, it's explained in detail in the book, but um, every single day on the mountain, I was coming in dead last. And because I was coming in dead last, I was thinking that I wasn't winning. And I was thinking that I wasn't doing good, that I was failing. And one of the guides said, Jody, you realize there's no prize for finishing first. Somebody's already done that. He said, you're winning by finishing every day and keep going. And spoiler alert, I did make it to the top and I made it dead last, but there's not a soul on this earth that could tell me that I did not win because I did. I, I said, I set out to, to accomplish a goal and I made it happen. And I had to make a shift in my mindset very quick. And I didn't realize until, and honestly, this was in 2019. I did this. It was probably about two and a half months ago when I realized how fast I had to make that mindset shift 
because it, I, I was on the mountain for a week. I had to make that mindset shift in about three days. Yeah. And so that also makes me believe that if people really want to accomplish something and really do something, they can. And it's all about getting that mindset to shift in the direction to get them to their goal. Wow. Yeah. Amazing way to, to just look at it because, because, because you're right, you know, we all use, you know, terms or cliches, you know, win the day and this, that, and the other, but, but, but yeah, you know, surviving that journey and getting to the top is, is a win that, that many of us will, will never know. You know, uh, very few. I mean, just real, real quick, uh, quick detour on that. How many people die trying to climb uh, that mountain? Um, well, not as many die on that one versus versus Everest. Um, there are lots, however, who do not get to finish it because of the altitude. One of the things that makes uh, Killy hard is you go through all different types of climates. You go through the rainforest, you go through the desert, you go through the lava fields, and then you're up so high in elevation, it's obviously cold and rainy and wet. Um, and just the, the altitude in itself. Um, I believe the last I checked, it was a 60% success rate for people to actually reach the top. Wow. Um, and as far, I know they have, I looked up once and it was like, 15 people a year um, die on the mountain. Um, but like I said, it's nothing compared to, and the, and the statistics are also kind of skewed because they just recently started, um, you know, keeping track of that kind of stuff or whatnot. So um, it could be, it could be way less or it could be way more. Um, I would say yeah. be on the higher side is what I would, what I would assume. Well, yeah, so it's, 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 uh, Every time I talk about it, I get super excited. And it also just brings me back to like, wow, you you really did that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, tr tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. Like I said, something that that I know for a fact that I'll never do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm more the cruise ship uh, piano bar type than the, uh, mm -hmm. the mountain climber, as you probably remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's funny, though, is like this was the first... Like, I'm not a camper. I like if somebody wants me to go camping, I'll go. But as far as like being somewhere and not taking a shower for an entire week. Yeah, that was the first time I've ever done that um, in, in camping quite like that. Um, but it was I just I wanted to do it. And so you you never really realize what your mind and your body will allow you to do when you're forced to do it. I don't want to go to the bathroom in a drop toilet, but that was my only option. So I had to do it. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, look, uh, so, you know, we've got, got another five, six minutes here. What, what I would like for you to do for, we, we've got coaches from all over the place. We, you know, we're at, we're in 12 different countries. We got people downloading this, this podcast now share with us some ideas, some tips, maybe, that we can help our players kind of shape that mindset into where you are now after accomplishing that without us having to do it ourselves? The biggest thing I would say is make sure that you're reiterating the wins because anybody that's a competitor, we're always going to notice those, those, those lessons that we're having to learn the hard way. Right. Um, and the wins need to be celebrated. 
And I actually created a journal that um, is a basically a win-loss journal. And it's about writing down three wins athletically, three wins socially that you had for the day. And then you're setting goals of something that you want to accomplish. And now when I say a win, there are some days that it might be the simple fact that you made it home alive and that's a win. And we need to understand that those wins are important, but if it's coming to athletics and stuff, something as simple as make is making a, a time. If you're struggling on, you know, if an athlete is struggling on making a, a, a time for a line drill or whatever, if you make that like set out to, to make that. And when they do make sure that they understand, understand that that is a good thing. Because like I said, too often we concentrate on the times that we didn't make it and we need to have that positive reinforcement. And it doesn't have to be all woo woo, gaga, all that kind of stuff, you know, you know, um, making it seem like we're coddling kids. Cause trust me, I understand that's the last thing we need to do, but we need to make sure that we're celebrating, celebrating all of the wins and enjoying that. So they get this, so they understand what that feels like. Um, and making sure that especially like freshmen or somebody that's new incoming to a team, they need to understand that you might not be the best anymore, but that doesn't mean that you can't still be the best version of yourself. And so improving on that every single day and doing what you need to do in order to help that team move forward. And sometimes there's going to be some days where you make giant strides towards that. There's sometimes that you're, you're going to make a little bitty baby step, but you always want to make sure that you're reiterating the, the process of moving forward. And if you happen to have one of those days where you, you were really searching for the win, then you need to refocus those goals and just remember like, okay, I'm here for a reason. Tomorrow is a new day. And that's another thing I would say is the midnight hour rule. And you can use, I, I really like using this in, in, um, in game situations. You have till midnight to either celebrate or to sulk. If, you, if, if the scoreboard wasn't in your favor at the end of the night and it was one that you, you really believe you should have won, reevaluate that sulk complain whatever until midnight at midnight it's a new day and now it's time to move forward because if you don't move forward you're not going to be ready for the for the next game and the most important game is always the one that's coming up next so i like to use that midnight hour rule whether it's in life if something bad happens to you in the day or if it's in the game situations it's like all right it's it's time to move on we've got to make sure we learn from that lesson that we were just taught and make sure that we can apply it for the future yeah, yeah, re- really, really good stuff. I- I'm going to be reaching out to you as well. Uh, I'm always looking for new things. One, one of the, I guess, the blessings I have with 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 my current team is, you know, we graduated five seniors. Everybody just assumed we'd have a drop off. It's the exact opposite. We're pretty good, uh, and I've got nine players. We all know only five can start, so I've got four kids coming off the bench that could probably start on a lot, a lot of other teams. And so we really working on that dynamic to, to, to help them understand you are as valuable as those five starters. Uh, we need you just as much as those five starters. And so, you know, it's always, it's always a mind game and, 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 and those kind of things, uh, those different kind of mindsets real quick before our time runs out on us, Jody, 
Tell everybody where they can reach out to you. What is your, your best social media platform for people to reach out? And I'm going to, of course, tag you and, and, and make sure so everybody can find you. Yeah, Instagram, um, I'm Coach Jody underscore, and Jody is J-O-D-I. Um, and then on Facebook, it's it's my name as well. I do have, have a website. Easy again, it's jodygreevy.com. And you can purchase my books. All three of my books are on there. Um, and you can also go to Amazon as well and, and purchase purchase them on there. But the Conquering Kilimanjaro, the one that just came out, that's it's um it's an easy, I say easy read. It's not like it's 500 pages or anything like that. And it's just me telling my story from how I became the competitor and how I had that mindset to finishing it off um, at the top at, at Uhuru peak. Um, but all of those can be bought either on Amazon or at jodygreevy.com. Absolutely. I'll definitely be reaching out and doing that myself. Uh, and, and real quick also, uh, you've kind of reached a milestone with your mindset uh, deal. Would you, can we share that yet? Yes. So I, um, I recently, uh, finished my work work to become a performance mindset coach. And I am going to be working with high performers. Um, my, my absolute love is to work with, with athletes and just helping them, uh, gain the, the mindset they need to be able to compete and perform at, at a high level. So that will be, uh, also on my website soon to be able to start, uh, booking sessions with that. Nice. Nice. So jodygreevy.com is you, is your website. Yes. So yes. Jo- Jody Greevy, and that's G-R-E-V-E, uh, and Jody with an I. Make sure you, you get to her website, find her on Instagram, find her on Twitter, find her on Facebook. I'll share all of those spots. Jody, thank you so much. We're going to have to do this again because uh, what you can help us with, like I said, is something that we don't focus enough upon. And uh, and so, so we're going to have to get you back on here and dive into some more. But I could not Thank you enough for uh, visiting with us today. And it was so good to see you again. You know, I follow you on social media, but uh, it's been a long time since we chatted. Yes. Thank you so much. And I will look forward to coming back anytime, Terry. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great one. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. A big thank you to everyone who has continued to make this podcast become so popular. Please continue to share with your friends and colleagues. And when you have time, please take a minute to give it a five-star rating. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.